Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. We're back for another episode of The Places Where We Go, where for the first time we've swapped chairs in the studio. <laughs> I'm in Julie's chair because I set the microphones up on the, on the wrong sides. Hey, so we've been speaking for the last few episodes about our travels in Montana. The main thing that we went to see was Glacier National Park. But as we mentioned last episode, we also spent some more time in Montana after we left the park to see some more things there are to see. So last time we talked about a few things we did in Great Falls, and from Great Falls we would then hop in the car, drive about another two and a half to three hours to a city called Deer Lodge. And the main destination that we had in this town was a place that I spied in the National Park Passport book, which was the Grant Coors Ranch National Historic Site a place that I knew absolutely nothing about other than I didn't have a stamp for it in my book. And darn, if I was in Montana, I was going to go get one. Which is the way you, you ride. You know, and this is what you do. And it's always fun to go to places that are unexpected. And we, we like that. I do remember getting in the car and getting a, a sense of I've, I've kind of done with the car. I had a headache. You know, so I think I put off this vibe to you of being kind of grumpy, grouchy, and I'm done. And I felt bad for you because it was just that I had a headache and I was... Yeah, which is kind of an atypical vibe for you. Yes. But we made it. We made it. Got to Deer Lodge, I think it was like early afternoon. Yes. And it was a very small town. We drove through a main section of it and then Mm -hmm. you had all the little ranch areas and farms and things like that on the outsides of it. And this kind of was on the outside of the town and very clearly marked. But we did think that there was a large building with a lot of artwork on the side of it we thought oh that's probably it because it kind of looked like it was something Mm -hmm. i still don't know what that was but it was beyond that okay it was a little beyond it and across the street from it so we got there and it was a beautiful day uh, very clear blue skies beautiful clouds and i had no idea what to expect nor did i not a clue we had lunch first we did pack a lunch so we ate our lunch first and which made me feel a little bit better I don't know if that was one of the things I needed. And then we made our way towards the museum area, I guess you would call it. The museum itself was the ranch and the buildings and the outbuildings that were on this ranch and the home that the ranch owners lived in. So that's what it was. But it was more and more fascinating as we walked through it. I think it was one of those things we enjoyed it. We I think we went in every building there was Mm -hmm. and tried to take in as much as we could. Yeah. Again, not knowing what this place was going to be, I had no preconceived notions of what to expect. So this was one of those places that walking on the entirety of the premises just seemed like everything was a surprise. 
So it was it was kind of mm-hmm. neat that way. It is an actual historic site, and it is dedicated to the interpretation of the frontier cattle ranching era. The location was the home of the famous cattle kings of Montana, Conrad Coors, whose land holdings once stretched over a million acres. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. This land stretched all the way across Montana, Wyoming, all the way into Alberta, Canada. So he was quite the ranch owner and acquired an immense amount of property and apparently owned many, many, many cattle. It was built in 1862 by Johnny Grant, who was the first cattle ranch owner, who had sold it to the Coors family after he left. Grant was a fur trader and a trapper, and he encouraged his people, his family, and uh, the people around him to settle in Deer Lodge because it was just a you know, beautiful place to be. And it was kind of ideal for cattle and horses because it had a lot of grassland and water that was you know needed for that type of uh, ranching. There's a lot of things you're going to see here which includes the historic ranch house, which we did not get a chance to see. Yeah, that was the one thing that was closed. So mm-hmm. in the, again, we were here during COVID era. We were lucky on the one hand that the site was open and everything other than the ranch house we were able to experience, but that was the one thing that they had closed. Yeah, but in the beginning, I thought that was very disappointing. And sure, I would have loved to have seen it. Mm-hmm. But there was so much more that towards the end of it, it really didn't matter to me. Yeah. That we, we didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, we spent so much time. Yeah. We we're so occupied with so many other things. Now, because it's owned by the National Park Services, they do have rangers that actually work the ranch. It is a actual working ranch in which there is about 100 cattle, there's horses, but it is a working cattle ranch. Yeah, and it's the only working ranch, is my understanding, in the whole national park system. Yes. Yeah. It has nearly 10 miles of ranch roads and trails that you can hike. And the last thing that you'll see here are 88 historic buildings that have been preserved on this 1,600-acre working cattle ranch where the frontier cattle era lives on. And that to me, was probably the most intriguing, interesting thing to me. Uh, First of all, that it was owned by the National Park Service. Mm -hmm. And secondly, that it was still a working ranch. Yeah, we asked somebody as we were there if this was just kind of all for a show. But then as we were seeing all the horses and all of the workings going on there, we thought, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of work to put on for something that's just for show. And they said, no, indeed, this is a working, it's an actual working ranch. Mm Mm-hmm. And they raise cattle for uh, meat. Mm -hmm. You're also going to see, besides this ranch house that hopefully you'll be lucky enough to see if you go, there are bunkhouses, there's tack rooms, there's a blacksmith shop, there's a lot of barns, there's a buggy shed that has buggies in it that you can view, there's a granary, and just more. There's just much more than that. Mm -hmm. There's just so many buildings here, and they give you a chance to peek in every one of them. There is a garden that is still maintained that was the pride and joy of Mrs. Coors when she lived on the ranch. And these horses that are kept on the property, there's some really beautiful riding horses. But I think the horses that really caught my eye were the draft horses Mm -hmm. that do all the work. 
So we had walked around and we did encounter some people that were working the ranch. I would call one of them an actual cowboy because I guess he'd been there for a very long time and he just rides the horse around the property and takes account of what's going on. And we got a chance to talk to him and that was, he had been there for quite a number of years. So it was interesting to talk to him. And they kind of try to preserve the legacy of the ranch itself from the 1800s era. It's open air, so be prepared if you're coming in and there's weather. But even if there is a little weather, you can still view things and see things. A lot of these things are, you enter into buildings so you can get out of weather if you need to. That has these beautiful paths around the ranch that you can walk around. And we did a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. I was just, um, it was just a really, really neat experience. I personally have been around a ranch, yeah, you spent, a working ranch. You spent like weeks or months. A whole summer. In your childhood yeah, on a ranch. Yeah, my childhood. A um, couple of times on a ranch. One was in California, Wairika, And the other one was in Oregon. So I had some experience, so it was kind of fun to see, Mm -hmm. you know, all that ranch life happening, you know, before my eyes. And then the top off of everything was they actually, they served up some cowboy coffee. Right on the fire pit outside. That's right. It was probably Folgers, and she readily admits that. Yeah. (laughs) But they cooked it on the campfire. Yeah. It was all about the experience. Yes, it was. Yeah. So as we're touring the the area, one of the things that struck me is something that I don't ever remembering encountering at a national parks place before was there was one ranger there who was presenting an overview of the artistic works of Charles Russell. So we spent time on the back porch of the main house. And Some of you are going to say, who is Charles Russell? Which is what I said. Yeah, and what I said too. (laughs) Never heard of the guy, but geez, by the time we not only left here, but by the time we would leave Helena a few days later, we were seemed like well immersed in this artistic legacy of Charles Russell, who brought this world of the cowboy culture, the ranch lands to life through visual art. So He was a painter, an artist. He also did some sculptures. Many of his works we would have the chance to see later in Helena in the Montana, the main museum that they had in in Helena. Right. But one of the... the, uh, By the... um... By the state capitol. Yes. Yeah. And what was interesting is there was a few works that we saw in the museum, the actual works, where we had the privilege of having their story explained to us at the Grand Corps Ranch by the ranger slash docent. So we kind of able to look at those artworks through the set of eyes of having a bit of an understanding yeah, of it, how the works came to be. Yeah, it was yeah. the perfect preview of Charles Russell. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the Montana Museum, I felt like I was already connected yeah. to his artwork. Yeah. So it was it was like perfect preview to step in and get more of who this man was. And what's interesting to me is he did not actually grow up on a ranch. So he was not a cowboy, but he sure immersed himself in the cowboy lifestyle. Yeah. So if you're spending time in Montana, there's going to be several cities where you may have a chance to bump into the works of Charles Russell. There are several museums throughout the state. And I would take advantage of that because he is an important cultural icon 
who represents the state of Montana and this world of, of ranching and cowboys. So, so that was a cool thing to experience. And then as we were making our way over the, um, across the ranch, we just learned a whole lot of things. And so there was placards that talked to us about the cowboy life and, one thing that was new to me, I didn't know this, that back in the day, one in four cowboys were of African descent. There was a lot of European immigrants who also became employed as part of that cowboy life. And uh, I think also reminded, because I think I knew part of this before, but you know, m- many of the cowboy stories that we're familiar with through Western film, probably primarily, mm-hmm. there's some truth to that lifestyle and that culture, but there's a whole lot of myth that got grafted onto that as well. And part of those myths you learn about at the ranch, and I know at least for myself, probably look at Western movies through a different set of eyes after understanding the myths versus the realities. So this ranch is a bit of a legacy of the first cattleman who came to Montana. In the early 1800s, you had a whole bunch of people making their way west in search of gold, but others tried their hand at fortune through cattle ranching. And the big era of cattle ranches only lasted for about three decades, but it's during that time that this particular ranch had its heyday. And I think we're lucky today to have its legacy preserved for us by the national park system. So, you know, when you think about the national parks, you've got these great natural landscapes where you can visit, be it Sequoia, be it Yellowstone, be it Glacier. But the park system also preserves some of the story of America. One of the big stories is ranching. And that's what you're going to get here in Montana if you make the trip out to Deer Lodge. So, I would highly recommend it. Again, we came here not knowing what to expect, pleasantly surprised. We ended up spending about three hours at the site, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I didn't know we would even spend that amount of time in. So if you've got some more time to see some sites in Montana, I think this is a worthy one to add on your list. And a bonus is that it is a fee-free site, so Mm -hmm. it will cost you nothing other than your time and your gas money to get there. Yes, nice bonus. So after that, we got in the car, and I think I had another place or two on the list since we were in this area, and we made right. our way so, a, a mile or two maybe down the road. Very, very that. close. Yeah. yeah, very close. And we just drove down, and we stopped in a place that had the old Montana prison complex. We went to the old jail place. Now, I am one that is fascinated by prisons and especially the old ones and the stories that come Mm -hmm. out of it so you know these things do fascinate me i was excited to get you know get there and get in and see it and it was a different experience for me this for this one i've seen small jails and things like that but this one was quite a huge complex i mean we've been to like you say some of the small places throughout places we visited in California we've been to you know the things they have to see at Folsom Prism yeah up in Folsom California mm-hmm. but yeah I agree this was a totally different experience so there was a, an interesting um emotional like feeling that you got when you entered into this place and there was it almost felt heavy and you felt this almost depressing 
mood that went with it. And I I can't explain why, but it just kind of came with the remains of what was left there. Yeah. So you end up taking a self-guided tour in this place. So they gave us a booklet and I think it explained the stops along the way. There was like numbered stops, but I had the same reaction. I mean, you felt the heaviness and the weight and you could almost feel that presence of the people who had made their way decades earlier and who lived in the conditions of this place and talk about a mood shifter i mean i it just quickly hit me and it was it was depressing that said i think it's still intriguing to go and see a place like this but just know that if if this is on your itinerary this is not a place that you're going to walk through and walk out of whistling a happy song that ain't going to happen So, and you actually do get a chance to walk through the prison area and the cells and some of the other administrative buildings that were still there. There's a a large part of one of the buildings that is gone. It, It didn't make it. One of the original buildings, or maybe not original, but it was pretty old building, is still there. And you walk in to their mess hall their cells with the bars still there. And I remember walking around this building because we had first walked in and we got to the the remaining building and there was administrative type of offices that you went in and you checked that out. And there's peeled paint coming off, parts of ceiling that feel like they're coming off. It's just not super well maintained. There's water damage. There's all these things happening. I think they're trying to maintain it as best they can. And it described some of the people that work there and the things that they did. There was the place where people would come and visit their relatives. So you just got this sense of oppression, basically. Mm -hmm. And and then you started reading the stories in, in the building of the very famous riot that happened there in which people did die. Mm-hmm. And it's an eerie feeling. There was some graphic pictures, you know, where you're just like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So be ready for that kind of stuff yeah. because the reality of that type of life is the attachment of there is violence in it too. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I mean, the whole time I'm just sitting there reading all this and thinking, mm. wow, this is, wasn't a great place to be. Right. Yeah, it was almost like, and I don't know if they do this or have done this, but you know, I could see like if a school tour goes to a place like this on a field trip, oh, that might be... Don't do this, kids. Yeah, because <laughs> look what will happen to yeah. you. I mean, it's, uh, I think it really brings home what people would live through if you ended up having to spend time at a place like this. Yeah. And there was one freakish moment as we left that administrative part of the building and we were going around the back, there were isolation cells, which were just freaky. They were just, they were just very dilapidated, falling apart. And you know that people that spent time there were in absolute misery. It's kind of a mental torture, probably, oh, it was, huh? It just seemed horrifying. Yeah. And then one place, somebody had stuck some f- strange gargoyleish figure with a human head. I remember you walked in and you kind of ran out of that room. Yeah, parts I'm, of this place I'm freaked like, me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and among the things that 
caught my eye. There was along one of the walls when we got to the part of the prison that had cell after cell after cell after cell. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the main population. Yeah, was there. there was a description of this would have been what in the early 1900s. There was a sedition act that was passed in the state of Montana. This was shocking. Yeah, and there was there was on this one wall photo after photo after photo with the stories of the people who were incarcerated for it could be two years, three years, up to five years for just saying something anti-government, anti-country, and in some of the descriptions of what people said, I mean, to me, they're the kind of things that, I mean, I probably run in these kind of sentiments on a daily basis on, on Facebook, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. And um, to know that about 100 years ago, if you said some of these same things, or if somebody said that you said those things, because right. some people got put into prison and were found guilty of the Sedition Act because... Somebody said that they overheard them at a restaurant or at a bar right. saying something negative about the government or negative about their country. And um, to know that you could have been put in prison for a number of years, I mean, that was... And some of them got 10, 15 years? Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. It was like, it was shocking. Yeah. So we left that area and there was some outside area. They actually had a gym area that no longer exists, but you know, they were talking about the gym area. They had a theater on the property, which we did not get a chance to go into. Um, it was closed off, but you, the theater is still there. Mm -hmm. And they had baseball fields. There was a chapel there for uh, those that decided to repent and make their life better, I guess. Or just need spiritual guidance. Mm -hmm. So it had those elements of it too, but it was not something that was there from its beginnings. I think over time, there was a sense of trying to treat these people more humanely. So they added those elements to it to give them something to look forward to while they had to serve their time. Mm -hmm. But I did walk away from that just feeling kind of odd. But... That's okay, because this ticket that did cost us $18 a piece also got you into the auto museum that is right next to the prison. Yeah, kind of all connected. So, yeah. So we would end up leaving the prison, which, and just to kind of close out on that, so this prison was established in 1871, and it was an active prison until 1979. So it had a you know quite a long span of time you can go see its remains today and when you're done with that just walk across the hallway and you'll end up at the montana auto museum i would do them in that order too you know so go to the prison first and then end with the auto museum yes, because it'll absolutely. you'll end up feeling better you'll leave on a, on a little higher note if you like cars there gosh there were so many there was like room was after room unbelievable cars through the decades i mean lots of historic cars one of the things that was neat in the museum is they had the rooms sectioned off kind of by decade or mm -hmm. by era and as we would walk through it was the cars of the 1920s the music that was being piped in was from that era once you got to the 1940s you'd hear swing music probably like glenn miller and that type of music when you got to the 50s you'd start to get the rock and roll mm -hmm. 
So they tried to create some kind of ambiance via music, which was neat. And there were some interesting photographs and descriptions of some of the earliest auto camping culture that had ever happened. And as you've probably guessed, as you listen to our podcast, we're avid campers. We love camping. We love being in the outdoors. And it's kind of neat to see how people did that when cars were brand mm-hmm. new before there were motorhomes and RVs and you kind of saw how those types of things started to come to life. So a neat place for car aficionados. In the auto museum, I don't think you're going to need to spend as much time in as some other places. I think an hour, you can probably get through it yeah, fairly well. Yeah, yeah, no more than an hour and it's it's pretty well laid out. So you just kind of swing your way through each section and and you're back out at the gift shop yeah which is the middle part between the prison and the auto yep and so again between the the prison and the auto museum probably spent maybe close to two hours and then it was time to step outside and grab a bite yeah as i always love to do there was a little ice cream shop very tiny little building that was right down the street from the auto museum and it was called the old prison cow ice cream and i had the huckleberry ice cream huckleberry fudge not just plain old huckleberry i had a couple of huckleberries in uh, montana you did you had huckleberry cider or beer yeah and i i had huckleberry ice cream just huckleberry ice cream huckleberry pie We had to get in our huckleberry because there ain't no huckleberry in Ventura County, California. Yes. So so I had it with the fudge. Now I remember. Yes, I do remember that. For as tiny as it was, it seemed crowded. Mm -hmm. There was tables in the front, but the building that they were in was actually an old gas station. Now, of course, they removed the pumps and everything, Mm -hmm. but it was uh, one of the original gas stations in the area that they converted to an ice cream shop, which was pretty cool. And what did you have? You had you didn't have Huckleberry, did you? I think you? I had the same thing. I think we did both you? got, oh, yeah, okay. for, for the same reason is when you're in Montana, that's the time to get your Huckleberry fix. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if we had more time, what would we do, honey? So if we had more time on the street where the prison is and the auto museum is, on the other side of the street, there's some more museum-like places. So there was a Powell County Museum, a place that had a World War II exhibit, an art gallery, and there was a place called Yesterday's Playthings that I believe is kind of a museum-like place that probably preserves the nostalgia, probably of the kind of toys and games that maybe were popular in our youth. Yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been fun to go see. I mean, we just, we had to move on from this place and get to our next location. So Mm -hmm. didn't have time to do that. But I think for somebody who likes museums, between Grant Corps' Historic Ranch up the road, the Montana Prison, the Auto Museum, and some of these other places that are across the street, you can easily spend an entire day, if not more. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's a neat place to go. Deer Lodge, I had never heard of that location, but I'm very glad that we made room in our itinerary to spend at least a day and uh, saw some things that were brand new and it, very interesting. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't start my day out great, but I think once I got going, it was really a nice day. It yeah. was a fantastic day. I don't know why hmm. that when we started this podcast, I had so much trouble recalling, but it's all coming back. 
It wasn't that long ago. I know. Yeah. So again, we're continuing to try to give y'all examples of additional things that you can do if you're going to make the trek out to Glacier National Park. That's a beautiful place in and of itself, but Montana offers more to see, more to experience. So if you join us next time, we're going to continue taking you through even some more places in the state of Montana. So we hope you join us for more adventures. And if this is your first time listening to our podcast and you are not subscribing to us yet, just take a minute and hit that subscribe button in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite choices of podcasts. And you can catch up on any of our future episodes. We also have a YouTube channel. Uh, We have just completed our YouTube videos on Sequoia National Park. And one of our popular, if you're a camper, videos is about the champion generator. So uh, go ahead and find us, theplaceswherewego.com, and you can find all our information. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that you enjoyed our travels, and hope to see you very soon. Bye. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.